Has Mariner submitted her transfer request? <laughs> I'm going to frame it. She's having a great time. What? She's finding little ways to inject joy into otherwise horrible tasks. Then give her worse jobs. I've got her emptying out of the holodex filter. Welcome to Strange New Dicks. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me are... Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. Rudy Gusbaker. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed pod. We're nominally supposed to be covering Strange New Worlds, but with so much new Trek already, we're jumping in a little early. Today, we're super excited to bring you our Strange New Takes for Lower Decks, Episode 4, Moist Vessel. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. Uh, we super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Also, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps us put on the podcast discovery lists. And just as a heads up, this podcast and literally all our podcasts include spoilers for this episode and potentially other episodes of Star Trek and or fandom. So if you haven't had the chance to watch Moist Vessel and don't want to be spoiled, feel free to hold off on this episode until you get the chance to watch it. But if you don't care, come on in and jump in with us. All right. So here's the episode summary from uh, Memory Alpha. Captain Freeman seeks the ultimate payback after Mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew. A well-meaning Tendi accidentally messes up a lieutenant's attempts at spiritual ascension and tries to make it right. I feel like the summary is missing a small piece of the plot. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you get this one from? Memory Alpha. Memory Alpha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I think it missed part. Uh, I think I will add that there is a Tellarite member of Starfleet who is not grumpy like the Tellarites in Enterprise and uh, helps the Cerritos recover a, a, a generation ship. Generational ship? Generation generation ship, I, I think that's right. I think generation oh. ship, yeah. All right. So there, that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's the episode summary for you. Uh, so, okay, strange new takes. Who's got some? <laughs> I, Nobody I, speak first. <laughs> I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll maybe go in with, with my strange new take. I... Uh, I, I think that the title of this episode is an achievement uh, in Star Trek uh, episode <laughs> titling. Like uh, it, they have just successfully created the grossest sounding title that I could imagine for Seriously. maybe anything. And so I'm just I'm very proud of the writers or whoever whoever did it. I'm proud of them for taking that leap forward to bring Star Trek to this next level. And uh, yeah. They did it for that reason, too, I am sure. <laughs> Who's next? Let me go. Um, I have a lot of things to say about this episode. I'll keep it for later in the podcast. But um, generally loved Boimler again a lot in this episode. I think um, for me, he stood out um, as a good balance in where Lord X should go in terms of pulling out comedy, but, but staying close to, um, what I feel is, is, um, what Star Trek's all about. Right. Um, so as for the rest, um, again, I'll, I'll wait, um, but really like Boimler in this episode. I don't know that I have a strange new take for this episode that itself. I have far yeah that's a strange far, new take for, yeah. yeah there you go I have far <laughs> fewer notes on this one than I did on previous ones but that could also be due to the fact that I did the rewatch when I just really wanted to go to bed so <laughs> you know strange new yeah, take okay. don't take let, notes while you're sleepy that's that yeah you, let me give you a take your sense ores were not yeah. <laughs> my sense ores were not operating at at full capacity <laughs> my uh my, my strange new take on this episode is that 
it did a it didn't do a good job making me like the people that it focused on. I I feel like they went a little too far in um making them kind of inept fools and and ruin even even went so far as ruining some of the motivation issues. Uh, I I just didn't see why some of the characters behaved the way they did. Uh, but at the same time, I think I appreciated that we got an episode that focused at least somewhat on Tendi, and I feel like I also learned a little bit more about Rutherford than I have in previous episodes in the snippets that we saw of him. So that, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. But let, let's 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 go move on and talk about story and writing uh, and how we felt about that and and. Do you all do you all agree with with my analysis of of the of the characters and how they behaved? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I yeah. would. What you said is the tip of the iceberg for um, what I had taken notes on. But yeah, yeah. Um, Good, let's let's dive into that iceberg. <laughs> let's let's dive in ram our Titanic into it yeah. and sink. So, let's do so it. Just, so just summarizing, right? So. Um, Lower Decks, um, we've all been reading some of the reviews and we've all been um, sort of, you know, surprised by some of the early negative reviews coming in again and again. And we liked the first few episodes, but I think um, if I'm understanding you correctly, Notch, to your your point, um, this one did did sort of magnify what I think Lower Decks um, has to be careful about. So... Something I noticed in the previous one as well, um, where the entire plot pivots on something very, very specific and potentially illogical, uh, at least from a Star Trek standpoint. Um, for example, um, an ensign coming in and yawning the heck out um, in, in, in a mission briefing. Um, it's too much exaggeration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess Tellarites are, are not cool species but he wasn't boring in the initial briefing um and yeah i mean i mean i understand lord x is intended to take liberties and and actually go after the plausibly lame trek um established fundamentals that have been around for years um but i think what they do is they they don't like i like the sensor stuff right there's history to that there's there's history to, to Spock mm-hmm. and, and, and Picard. And, and I did a little bit of reading about it. Apparently, um, uh, Leonard Nimoy had had a Bostonian accent and he was learning British English for his role. And that's how he's to sort of punctuate on, on stuff a bit much at the end. Uh, honestly, if you look at... Um, American English, British English, um, none of them pronounce the ors part of sentence. It's all censors, right? Um, but that's how it started. So I like that part. I like the part that they call that out. Um, and, and that was funny. But but the whole original episode pivots on somebody who can't control their yawning, even though they slept well. So it's it's just being very it's not even it's not even the anti-establishment Bellana Torres in her early days kind of thing. Um, it's 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 illogical. Sorry to sound very Vulcan about it, but I found that illogical. And there's a <laughs> bunch of other plot pivots that um, that just didn't make sense to me. But. Well, I'm the sleep deprived mother of a toddler, and I've yawned three times throughout the <laughs> recording of this podcast so far, and none of you heard me yawn. Like, there's a way you can do it. And kind of hide it a little, and maybe yeah. it's not quite so bad. So that I, I, I was really irritated by the yawning. I'm like, no one would ever. I just that's just a step too far, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I and I think there was an easy fix for that, right? Like if they just had her back talking, like that. I can mm-hmm. see Mariner yeah. do that, right? Like Mariner yes. just making like mm. cracking jokes about the Tellarite, like. You could see that happen, but it's just I feel like they didn't think about what they were what they were setting up. And I think uh, the the other thing that I had uh, just a little bit of an issue with that the or or the way they used to say it in the West Wing Weekly podcast, they bumped on it was uh, <laughs> how how Tendi kind of um, 
goes into this whole ascension situation and I I, I didn't understand why she was there. Like, why is that an as- officially assigned duty? Like, seeing an ascension. Because they're talking about when everyone's talking about, like, what they've been assigned to. And, again, it's just, mm-hmm. just like... Oh, but she was I, assigned that? That's I, I missed that. That's so weird. I, I didn't understand, like, why she why she was... Why that, that re- was related at that part of the episode. But I will say, I think once we got all of the characters where they needed to be, like, once we got over the motivation, like... Um, uh, Mariner had her pip. Uh, Tendi was in the ascension. Um, Boimler was was pissed off that uh, that Mariner had got promoted. Once we had all this, the pieces on the chessboard where they needed to be, it was a pretty fun episode. Like it, it kind of from there it kind of went where it needed to go, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I think well, I won't go into the ratings right now, but like I think overall, like I wasn't like ah man, that was a waste of twenty six minutes. But uh, I will say that I think. It's uh, just just like Rudy said, like the, the logic behind it, you had to suspend that a little bit. And maybe this is the part where Bill's booming voice, he's not here. But if we had Bill, his voice would boom from the great koala that the universe sits on <laughs> saying, don't think too much about Star Trek. Sometimes it's better just to let these things go. <laughs> so, um, so there's that. And, and uh, let, let me, Adam, let me give, give you a prompt. This was an episode that went even deeper into the whole, this is TNG season eight. Or, or like, this is yeah. TNG influenced. Like, there's deep TNG references in here. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, so I, I it's the kind of thing, like, I, I can appreciate all of those little moments, like, what they were trying to do with it. it I think as long as we sort of skip past that initial uh, illogic stuff that we're talking about uh yeah, there was a lot of interesting, fun stuff that, that they had. And I, I think that there were, this at least uh, writing-wise, uh, maybe the execution was a little bit awkward, but I, I think that we uh, confronted our characters with interesting enough things and plot points that still connected us back to other Star Trek, like the, uh, Ascension-type things. But I, I don't know that we we spent a lot of time thinking about, like, how did everyone feel about it when uh, Wesley became the Traveler or whatever? And then we just like <laughs> forgot that he was the Traveler, uh, and he's just like in the background in the in their wedding in uh, Nemesis and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The the Traveler is actually something that is one of the places that this Ascension situation comes from. It's from yeah. another TNG episode as well called Transfigurations, where they have a jo- character named John Doe who's part of a race called the Zalconians that also ascend because the ascension thing i watched it and i was like what is this is this has this been established in trek somewhere and yeah it has like it exists guess also ascends although she's you know okampa and from the delta quadrant and yeah mm-hmm. you know things that happen in voyager they forget about the next episode so maybe that's you know, <laughs> <but> <laughs> same with next gen but yeah think things like this have happened so it's not i think sometimes some of my reaction to this episode was coming from the standpoint of like oh i hadn't watch some of this other stuff thank you memory alpha for reminding me where it is uh we also had the poker game that was mm. oh that yeah was, that, that complete that was an obvious one for me to mention yeah but. <laughs> the, the the but i didn't like it i didn't like the poker game it, it made the command crew feel unreasonably um Dull. risk risk averse that's well yeah. that's exemplified in the in the opening credits of the show i mean they come upon the Romulans and the Borg engaged in battle <laughs> and they turn right around and leave. So it's actually true to character. I, I never saw it that way, actually. I actually read that as the situations handled were leaving. Ah. Um, but <laughs> I, I saw them. I saw it as them fleeing too, though, I got to say. But hey, uh, l- let me let me give you one more TNG reference and then we'll start talking about characters. The the leather chairs with the or the the chairs with the like <laughs> with the leather stripe. stripe stripe on them, that's from First Contact and the Enterprise E as well. Uh, so so that's there's there's little stuff in there. But hey, yeah. you know, y'all were just about talking about the senior stuff, and I wanna I wanna give you one of my takeaways from this episode, which is that let's, let's start with Captain Freeman, and my my takeaway is Captain Freeman's not a good captain. No, I, 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 I was like, is this an unsympathetic portrayal of Captain Freeman, or is she just not a great captain? And I'm, I'm, I'm on the boat that she doesn't really. 
Like the whole thing with Ransom where she just steals his idea. Yeah, that was my, I said, called that the dude bro bro move, you know, where, you know, she does exactly what men do in meetings all the time where, you know, the woman (laughs) says something and no one listens to the woman say it. So then a man says Mm. it. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, she totally did that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and she's sort of consistently done that through the, through the series. Uh, Like even though the first episode, she's uh, the, I I, I mean, (gasps) Was I, it I last- can see that being uh, sort of a that everyone was was willing to do that, and we were sort of accepting that the command crew was going to do that because the entire episode kind of like hinged on we're not important; they're just going to do all the thing. They're they're just going to take all the credit for everything that we do. But yeah, well, there was also that moment in last episode where um, when she and Boimler were talking, you know, Boimler was kind of opening her eyes to mm-hmm. how things perhaps could be done differently, and I can't remember what he says, but she goes, "You're right. I am a great captain." Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's the whole part where she's stuck with... I mean, admittedly, this is a parental dynamic. Her and her uh, daughter are, are kind of in that, like, digging situation. And she's being an overbearing mom, control freak, who's, like, keeping on telling Mariner what to do. And so maybe this is more of, like, a family dynamic situation. But again, in that situation, you know, you can see... You need to trust your crew member. If they're going to be a part of your crew, you need to trust them to do their job. And I don't know. I, I just found her uh, performance as a captain kind of lacking. And, and you know, obviously her meetings are kind of poorly run. <laughs> they're talking about chairs. <laughs> they're doing... <laughs> you know, you but have... I- I got the feeling they were doing that because they were trying to make it as annoying as possible. And that's the same thing with a poker okay. game. I think they were doing all of those things because they were all under orders to make these meetings absolutely unbearable okay. so that Mariner would leave okay. or would want so to I transfer. Have, I, have, I, mean, I think that makes sense. That part makes sense. Um, but I have a question um, around this whole nepotistic but not nepotistic angle between Mariner and 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 Freedom and the cap. I mean the captain. Um. So she's on the ship. She's probably being demoted, uh, and that's why she's on the ship. And and uh, the captain wants her on the ship or needs to have her on the ship because there's no other place for her to go. Maybe that she gets kicked kicked out of Starfleet if, um, if, if she's not on the ship, um. But now Mariner does not want to leave the ship, but the captain wants her to leave. So what's the background there? I'm a little, I'm a little confused. Um, she initially got there because of some background story that was forced on the captain and her, and now she's happy to be there, but the captain doesn't want her. Is that, is that, is that where we are right now? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a little unsure. I, mean, I, I think my my take with it is that uh, so. Uh, our understanding is that her dad is an admiral, her mom is a uh, captain, and I can imagine that um, just sort of having that lineage in your family would make the assumption that like the next person from this family is going to be amazing. So they, so she was probably given all of the by default like best assignments because everyone just like oh she's like she just is going to be great at this because it's in the family, it's baked in. Like we know that this is going to work, and uh, it's possible that uh she sort of and it, it, like we know that she's she's been like she did stuff with um I'm forgetting the name of the klingon in uh episode Corinne. 2 Corinne, Corinne. Uh, so she she's she's done a lot more interesting stuff on that other ship or maybe multiple ships and ended up getting herself demoted uh and i think maybe that's kind of the the setting i i, I guess i don't i don't know if there's some sort of connection where like also, it's a punishment to her mom to like have mm. her be on the ship, or I don't know. But I don't, I don't think it's clear because she was yeah. on the USS Quito before this ship, and yes. and we we know that she's spent some time in the brig. She's been demoted, so it's mm. it's unclear how she ended up. But I think you're right, which is that we've heard that she's been on this ship for not a terribly long time, like less than a year, mm. and then if she's been brought here against her will. Uh, why? Why would she not want to leave? You know, why? Why would she choose to be on a ship with her mom mm-hmm. if she doesn't like her mom? So I, I, I see what you're bumping on, Rudy. I can see the 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 challenge there. And this is where again Bill's booming koala voice comes. <laughs> don't do Actually, that. yeah, I actually liked the mom daughter part. I, I was for me as as I was my energy was dropping as I was watching the episode. 
when that part, right, the digging through the tunnel and then rappelling down on the vines, um, that was a that was a good like, um, Loxana Diana. You can even go outside of Trek and you know, um, the yeah. movie Lady Bird and, um, I th- I think that was funny, um, but but outside of that, yeah, I, th- I don't know if she's intentionally freedom's intentionally written in to be a bad captain or they're it's unintentionally coming out as her not not being one um not being a not being a good captain so um, yeah i I think it's probably the the idea is that since we're we're in a comedy as a cartoon like it's probably funnier if the captain is terrible uh but maybe it's it's also jarring because it's, we're watching Star Trek and like the captain's supposed to be great. We've only had like one example of like where the captain is supposed to be bad, uh, which uh, maybe some spoilers for uh, a, a ser- I'll keep it spoiler for slight by not even mentioning the captain I'm talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm now curious who you're, who you're referring to. We're unspoiled and oh, okay, just Dis- discovery. Like he's oh, he's okay. supposed to be a bad captain. Like that's the whole point of the the first season. Lorca, yeah, Lorca, oh, bad okay. or evil, <laughs> evil. Yeah, yeah, bad well, Santa. Well, he's yeah. he's also. Okay, I, I mean, we can't avoid spoilers at this point. Star yeah, Trek yeah, has fair, happened. Fair enough. Go watch yeah, it. Star Trek if you're watching happened. Lower Deck, you have all access. Go watch Discovery. But yeah. Lorca is a Mirror Universe character, so he's mm-hmm. sneaky. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I would say that he, it's it's not so much he's a bad captain as much as just evil and trying to manipulate people mm-hmm. uh, into yeah. doing his bidding. Um, but we have seen, like, Jellico, depending on what your opinion of him is. We've seen Captain Ransom in Voyager, who's the captain of the Equinox. Yeah. We have come across mm. idiots before. Unethical. And- right. Uh, and, and so, so there, have been, there have been different takes on captaincy in the past. And this is, again, in, the conception of this show has changed. And depending on if you talk to Mike, McCann, Mike McMahon or Alex Kurtzman... Uh, but I, I remember there was a quote from Kurtzman saying that Lower Decks would be focused on the worst ship in Starfleet. And so mm. that, I mean, I could see the the senior stuff just being more inept. And that's okay. Like, the Navy <laughs> yeah. has bad officers, right? Like, it's, you know, not everyone's a Picard, you know? Uh, not every, some people, some people are just talking about what Picard does in the Enterprise, reading Picard's, like, book and being like, he did it this way, so I have to do it too. And so, um... <laughs> And, and I don't know too many captains who would do a stand-up set on management as part of senior staff mm. meeting. But as Emily was saying, that's probably like a forcible thing to to make those meetings as unbearable as possible, especially the... the and then inviting the person who does the United Federation of Characters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's move on and talk about Mariner, though, because we, we do have to keep, keep chugging along. Uh, what we learned about her in this episode... We, we found out that she's not very interested in getting promoted at all. Mm-mm. I, did anyone else find that her behavior was different while she was on senior staff than when she was an ensign? Like she almost felt like she could be insubordinate in a way as an ensign that she couldn't be a senior staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she just kind of did everything that was assigned to her. And I mean, maybe she was reluctant about it or like complained, but it, it, yeah, it's it seemed like she was probably maybe a mediocre, uh, uh, what lieutenant was that she was she lieutenant, was uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh promoted to but um yeah it it it, it did kind of completely shift her character which I, I guess was the point but was it was it just dope? interesting it just shows I, I I mean if that's it seemed like they were going for some sort of like she has the capacity to be something other than she is being. So what, like, I don't, it almost makes me wonder, is she really on the Cerritos because she was demoted or is there something else that's going on? Because clearly she is able to not totally goof off. Like she, like the, mm-hmm. the worst thing she did when she was in senior staff meetings was just act utterly bored. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but she wasn't mouthing off like she was when she was an ensign. She wasn't, you know, trying to subvert things in quite the same way. So it just, it, it made me wonder that maybe there is another, maybe we're assuming something about why she's on the Cerritos that isn't necessarily true. I don't know. She also Although did I don't really think things. Lower Decks is that deep. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> booming voice. 
to, to your point, she did all the things she was assigned to, you know, the, the audits that she was doing with Ransom. Like, she wasn't, mm-hmm. like, throwing the pads in his face and just mm-hmm. being like, peace. Like, she she yeah. she did the things she was supposed to do. And so there is, uh, there is that. And you also saw an altruistic side of her. She stole the senior officer's replicator card for Boimler. So she's yeah. got kind of a soft, softer side, especially when it comes to him. So Yeah. That, that makes she was sense, also though. matchy-matchy with her little yellow. She had a yellow hairband in her oh, hair. Yeah, and she changed yeah. to a yellow uniform instead of red. No, but the, the, the replicator card part made sense, right? Like it made sense to me. It, it, it fit her, her original character. I couldn't quite explain the shift in becoming a senior officer and being, um, like, unless you say there is a backstory, um, which we don't know and we we must uh, hope uh, comes up later. It almost sounded like it almost felt like a plot hole where there was no rational explanation for her being, um, more disciplined as a senior officer, right? Like, it's not like she had a staff or something that she had to, um, uh. Set an, set an example for one thing though picking up from our previous podcast um i i, I caught a again mm-hmm. is mariner not human normal uh bit where as as the um the the gel sort of took over the ship she somehow instantaneously sensed pressure dropping and humidity rising um when the captain didn't get that like literally when she was in the in the ready room with the captain and i don't know i mean i i didn't think did that sound a little, little I mean, not, not human? If her hair is anything like mine, I mean, you really do notice when humidity yeah. changes. Pressure is dropping. Humidity increasing. <laughs> hair expanding. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel my hair expanding when the humidity rises. So yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's take a break over here because we're just about uh, getting to the halfway point of our episode. And we shall return with more strange new takes. Ensign Beckett Mariner, I am pleased to grant you a promotion. Uh, No. Congratulations, Lieutenant Mariner. Lieutenant? Lieutenant? Looking forward to serving with you for a long, long time. Good job, Mariner. This is real. This is real. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Uh, Let's talk about a new... Well, not a new character, but a different character and their character development. Boimler, uh, in this episode, I just, I gotta say, his screech of, like, annoyance when it. he sees <laughs> Mariner it. getting promoted is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it I, is the I, best part of the episode. Um, in the ready room in the background, right? When he starts seeing it happen. <laughs> I, I played that three times. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying something. No, I, I, I think it's it's basically the same thing. Like it, there are, uh, there's a lot of great Boimler stuff that we get just by sort of flipping the script on him. Of uh, he's like, wait, I'm supposed to be terrible. Like, let me just do that on purpose. And I'm like, that's not going to work for you. That's not work for you I'm in the middle of a crisis. Hot <laughs> <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Ransom scroll. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was well timed. Everything oh. about Boimler in this whole episode was well timed. Um, you know, the, the, like I said, the, the the coffee dropping, the fact that he was um, OCDing on the different rep- replicator um, perks, right, and, mm-hmm. and being super oh, excited yeah, about was... it. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, I mean, I think he was he was. I wouldn't call. I mean, I don't think this episode needs to be saved, but he was definitely. <laughs> Um, somebody, um, did you, did you notice the, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but did you notice the cool, um, Trek insignia on the bottom of his shoe when he's like, yes. Sit- yeah, yeah. I've been cool. noticing that as they, when it, there, there's a lot of scenes in every episode where you see like the bottom of someone's feet, whether it's because they're sitting down in a weird way or whatnot, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same one. This is the first time I noticed it. Is yeah. It, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I I just hope that the, the show continues to uh, use that balance, right, that Boimler has between being that aspiring um, Trek uh, officer, but at the same time being kind of idiotic about it, right? Uh, and and I'll, I'll be honest, right, like, the kind of situation Boimler has been in, I, I don't know about everybody, but I've been in those situations where like, mm-hmm. oh my god, how did that happen? 
Um, oh, for sure. uh, and and what did I not do that that person did? And and it was like, yeah, that's that's really funny. So I I loved Boimler in this episode. I think he, um, he was I like that moment when uh you know he decides he's gonna be bad when he's on the com. <laughs> You know, and I can't remember what he says, but then he's like, oh, uh, uh, on the holodeck, Moriarty, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cover up that it was something else, he, you know, I was like, says, oh, that's he can't he doesn't even know how to be bad. Well, you know, like, he says, and they will get they will deserve right. they will get what they, they deserve. deserve. Right? <laughs> oh, but this is this is another thing we learn about him. He likes the. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes holodeck mm-hmm. program scene, or at least he's read about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess makes me wonder, like it, uh, is it that, uh, there's like an official version of that that's made for the holodeck or has, uh, has Picard and, uh, data, have they like sort of, uh, franchised out their version, uh, with a, mm. a copy of a Moriarty that's particularly interesting, uh, out to the other ones. Who was it who said last week, that they thought perhaps Boimler could have been a soon tripe type Android. And yeah, maybe he was that. watching data's mm. Sherlock or participating oh, he, in data. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, He might have data's memories. If, if he is a, right. uh, assuming Android. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's keep moving on to talk about other characters. Tendi got her due in this episode, at least got to be part of a major plot point. Uh, and we learned that she loves to be loved and hates when she knows that someone dislikes her. I can sympathize with that. <laughs> I want everyone to like me. But right. but I I I was kind of sad that the expansion of her character made her more annoying to me. Hmm. And that that didn't happen with any of the other lower decks characters in previous mm. episodes. Like I found the expansion of the other characters kind of cool. You know, like I thought it revealed pretty interesting things about yeah. them last week was boimler um a, a, several of the episodes have been an expansion of mariner's character uh rutherford we had the second episode you know we did a lot with rutherford but um but tendy still had her moments like the what was it um uh damn this gorgeous coral you know <laughs> i mean and, and i cut the thing i liked about that is that she she has such a sense of awe and wonder about mm. the universe, which I find really appealing. And so I felt like that was infused in the way she was uh, handling uh, the d- the destruction of the ship, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I more or less uh, I would agree with that. Uh, and, and yeah, I she is one of my favorite characters. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that she's kind of like backgrounded uh, from the others. Um, but I, I, I did appreciate how... I guess important a lesson it is that she learned uh in this episode or at least was trying to be told to her of like no you screwed up like you don't you don't get to just make that better like i i know that you feel bad about it and i maybe mm-hmm. i can appreciate that you feel bad but i'm still mad at you like you still ruined this i mean then they kind of uh i guess um undercut that a little bit when he it was revealed that he uh sort of did that he brought her in on purpose because he like knew that she was going to ruin the ascension or something like that but it's uh i i did appreciate uh learning that she wants everyone to love her but then like directly coming into conflict with that character point and like sort of pushing it to its limits like i i think that that's that's a good thing to try to do with writing to like sort of uh, stretch and challenge your characters that way um but yeah i i was a little bit sad that it was uh she uh spent a, a quite a long time like not getting it at all but there were there were good comedy points to it too yeah i think i think i agree with uh, you emily and um they could have infused a little more uh complexity into tendies and the, the real expansion here was a core human instinct instinctive social um kind of uh, uh, uh characteristic uh, and again the pl- I, I saw that as a plot hole um adam the the bit where the guy got her in uh because he knew he was going to ruin it so is she known as a klutz on the ship I, I i didn't i didn't sense that before so mm. it was just one of the other plot holes um but but i i hope that they they continue to, you know, put focus on her and and give it 
Um, I'm just going to say this, right? Given the level of complexity that Boimler definitely has, Mariner has that too. Um, mm-hmm. So that you don't have like a upper lower deck set of characters and then a lower, lower, lower deck set of characters. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and, and then the whole Ascension thing, right? Um, I, I liked how they ended it. It was, it was mm-hmm. very interesting. It's the first time um, that we've seen an Ascension go sideways, right? Like it's always yeah, this yeah. wonderful thing, not just in Trek, right? Um everywhere uh in, in other in other universes as well um and with the um the bird i i i don't know if there's a specific tng reference to the bird but i took it as you know ancient nazca and or anasazi references to a, a higher state of living and and then that koala thing just sort of hit oh, out for of sure part, right um the burning part was cool right because you're like always ascending and and it's it's um it's good and it's a nice way to end, but he's burning and something smelling and, and then he, he starts getting whacked around um, uh, the bulkheads and, and and then he ends the bit, right? It was like, and the secret of life is... Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think that that fits pretty well with a lot of uh, the way that Star Trek treats uh, kind of religions in general. Like uh, often, like usually if you find religious aliens in Star Trek, it's because there are wormhole aliens who are uh, sort of controlling them, or it's that some other advanced culture like visited them one time. Uh, but also so that like, there's this sort of uh, scientification of every religion that happens in Star Trek, but also often the gods that these people have, like they turn out being manipulative assholes. And so it, it does seem like it's fitting that the, the ascension that this guy was going into is actually probably some higher order Q like being who's just doing it to be a dick. And uh, <laughs> it's going to make it hurt in order to become uh, ascended. <laughs> Maybe this, this guy comes back to, to save the ship at an opportune moment with the koala's <laughs> permission. I just enjoyed the fact yeah, that yeah. as he's ascended, he's like, and the universe is back up for koala. Why is he smiling? <laughs> <laughs> Some koala smiles. It was like this. It was like uh, a slightly evil smirk. I, I thought, right? It was, yeah, yeah. Like it was, that, uh, that was a great moment. Moving on to talking about Rutherford, I think very. We just got very, very brief moments, but we did see Rutherford. I think the thing we learned about him, which I referenced before, is that he's just this excitable for everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Wow, that's great! Oh, that's so wonderful!" And then sometimes he'll say, "That's so wonderful." He's like, uh, "What does that mean?" <laughs> so he's just. He just loves everything. Um, that's kind of like Tendi. Tendi yeah. kind of has that. Yeah, you know, good match. I, I wonder if that's I mean, yeah. They're they kind of that's what draws them to each other to be mm-hmm. friends is because they both kind of have that excitement and wonder about things. Yeah. How, how many seconds did he get on the episode? Though, like, did he get like more than a minute? No, I don't know, not really. Right? So no. it, it's almost like. Um, so I think I think I'm gonna try and summarize. I think. We we all want for each of the characters to get get enough uh, screen time in every episode, so so we see them developing, right? Because Star Trek is is about the characters as well, uh, and then when we see characters get very little time, um, we feel that it wasn't wasn't quite done well. I I would have loved more Rutherford time. Um, but what do you guys think? Is is it because? he had a lot of time in, in the previous one where he was uh, cycling through jobs or are there different writers tied to different characters? No. How's it, how does it, how's it working? I, I mean, I don't know what the writer's room is like, but I will say that I think, I think it's just good that Beckett Mariner and Boimler are two main characters on the show. And we're going to get them every single episode doing quite mm-hmm. a bit of stuff. Mariner for sure, if not Boimler and Dendi and Rutherford seem to be just kind of alternating through the kind of focus and and this is the other difference between this show and other star trek other star treks have been 40 minutes long each this Mm -hmm. one is 26 when you cut those 14 minutes out that's a lot of character time that you lose and i i think we just had to settle in for the fact that we're just gonna get less of these two than mariner and boimler and that's okay i mean it's not what I expected from the first episode, but I'm slowly coming to that conclusion. I would appreciate just one episode where they take the both of them take the front seat and we just learn a lot more about them, especially like we've talked about how we still don't know why he's this half a cyborg. Like we don't know we don't understand that choice. So it'd be great to kind of get some backstory there. But um 
Let's let's keep let's keep moving on. Uh, we we learned a tiny bit about Commander Ransom, the fact that he spent a month in Barcelona and that he plays mm. guitar <laughs> and writes his own songs about the places that he was, and he hits on people on the bridge. Gross. Like mm. he he's talking to that ensign about. I found the most sensual place in Spain, or the most sensual place is the Iberian Peninsula, and that's when, like, oh. yeah, <laughs> they find out about the Merced's problems. When he was doing the Riker lean, you know, he kind of leaned forward, and he notices his muscle, and then he starts flexing his muscle. I don't know if you all noticed that. <laughs> no. I think it was in a scene with Captain Freeman, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, still more plot holes, though, guys, right? Um... Like, I, I suddenly the astute Delorite gets jealous. I know there's probably history between him and um, uh, the Cerritos captain, but but he suddenly goes like, no, this is my um, this is my mission, and I will go closer to the ship. That defeats all spaceflight track training. He's a captain. You don't just go and um, put differential tractor uh, forces to something you're dugging, right? That's like 101 physics. So I, I found that weird. What do you guys think? Well, did anyone know in that same scene, did anyone notice that the picture of Captain Freeman that was accompanying the ship was like huge? Like it was this huge mm-hmm, filled mm-hmm. the screen picture. But when they have the kip, the picture of whatever his, of uh, Durango, the Tellarite, accompanying it was small so there there was definitely they were signaling that there was some sort of she was taking up a lot of real estate in his mind mind. i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think this is just another one of those things that they missed in that first scene where where uh mariners yawning is like they could have established some sort of like competitiveness between the two and they just didn't uh, and so it's, I, again, one of those missed opportunities. I can see the plot hole, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing I will say is I just, like, the day before this, I watched this episode, I watched the Enterprise episode uh, from season four that has the Tellarites. There's a small um, uh, three-episode arc where mm-hmm. the Tellarites and the Andorians are negotiating a treaty and Archer has to help them. Mm-hmm. And one of the core plot points in there is that the Tellarites speak in insults, like they they love insulting mm. you and you have to insult them back. And I, I thought that was that would have been a source of good comedy if like mm. yeah. you know you could yeah. have this Tellarite if Durango had that whole Tellarite thing going where like maybe Mariner insulted him and she, and he was like ah oh, well played like you know that that could have been like. I feel like there were some possibilities there, and we left some stuff on the table. The writers did, uh, from with w- with him, um, and I-, I think are there other things on on Durango or the other Starfleet officers that we see? We know Shaxus cares a lot about how he sits, and then he claims to have killed people for questioning how he sits, and then he's told, "No, you haven't." <laughs> I just like that. Um, I think I think they could have done. I know it was the latter part of the episode, the whole generational ship. But I think outside of it, just oozing um, that that bio bio gel onto the other ships, I th- there was nothing else, right? It was it was such a good um, plot start that they could have. Um, that's what Trek's all about, right? Saving species and and doing the right thing, and they could they could make fun of that, but. Uh, we didn't learn much about that ship. Um, it, it was it was an interesting design. It had like this, yeah, weird. I don't even know. Um, have we seen Trek ships of that design before? It looks like it's it looks grasshoppery, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. kind of kind of reminded me of I don't know the Alien series a little bit. I don't know. Mm. They did they and they specifically kept things very like um close to the chest in terms of who they are because we didn't when they when they talk about the aliens mummified in their uh, stasis tubes we don't see the silhouette didn't remind me of anything maybe there are mm-hmm. other star trek fans who are like that looks like the aliens from voyager yeah. season two episode five in the delta quadrant that there was a reference in there about them building generational ships and going to the alpha quadrant hundreds of years ago and that's where they got it but i, I don't know maybe that that that's so, so they play things close to the chest i hope we hear back from the generational ship because i i that sounds really cool it kind of looked like the the one of the final levels in the original Mass Effect video game, if you any of you have played that, mm. um, where the, the prote- Protheans go into Protheans, yeah. go into stasis and they have this entire stasis situation going on, and, and an AI that that I mean that's one of my favorite levels of video games ever. So that's kind of where I got 
got the reminder from. But oh, for um, sure. uh yeah, so but other things we learned about the world of track, just going tangentially off that generation ship, that there is a Genesis Go, essentially. It's similar to the yeah, Genesis yeah, yeah. bomb that we saw in uh, Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 3. There is now a, a material that terraforms uh, stuff into organic matter. Mm-hmm. We also learned that there is... Um, um, organic goo in the holodeck biofilters. <laughs> oh yeah, it, and there's an bleep, interesting bleep. bleeping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I they did, were like, talking about just, they were talking about sex, right? When she's like, "People do that there." That's yeah, much it's all like it's that's, mostly that's yeah. sex. That's right? the joke. That's the joke about like on every podcast. People are always talking about the worst job would be going in after Riker to clean out the holodeck. You know, so. <laughs> Maybe I'm listening to the like more raunchy Star Trek podcast. Mike <laughs> well, McMahon is listening to the same ones because we had the all new Olympic training facility in the fir- in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mariner, like she knew what she was cleaning up. Let's just put it that way, okay? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> that was that was pretty that was pretty good with the holodecks. We we found that the turbo leads need need the turbo lifts need lubrication mm-hmm. as well. Uh, human human driven, like I mean. Let me word this the right way. Lubrication that needs to be put in by humans. I thought a lot of those tasks were very easily automatable. And and again, right? Like the stuff where they're cleaning up that carbon, right? Yeah. Carbon they they might carbon. even be usually done by robots and they just decided to not have it be done by robots to... When they need to punish hate. people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it became a game and, and she was loving it and he happened to see it. And, and that's how she got, you know, promoted. So... Again, yeah, small, small uh, plot hole there, or everything pivots on that. I don't know. Never mind. The uh, USS Merced tells us that all the California class ships are call- are named after towns in California, uh-huh. and uh, the wildfires haven't destroyed all these. Or maybe this is like the yeah, Star the Trek like memorial. Oh, that's a dark reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, someone has helpfully put in the notes one of my favorite lines from the episode where the the mariner uh, proposes the the technobabble like solution to the organic matter and Captain Freeman is like computer hit it and then the computer <laughs> hitting it yeah <laughs> so that was pretty good uh, yeah and uh, yeah so so we also have as Rudy mentioned the canon. Uh, usage of the word sensors. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so that was that was fun with that that admiral yeah. over there as well. But uh, let's let's move on to strange new ratings. Who's got a rating for me? Who wants to who wants to stick their neck out? I'll go first this time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a three out of five because I just didn't have the same delight that I've had. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm, it's going to be real. You're going to have to be really terrible to get me to give a Star Trek episode less than a three. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because I'm not critical and I don't have, you know, because I, I will give, I will give some episodes <laughs> less than a three. <laughs> but, um, but generally there are things that I can find to take away that, and there were still things that were funny and I still laughed mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, I was just extra tired this week, I think. So, okay. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, and this is why I use a 10 point scale and then I use decimals. So I have a lot of granularity. <laughs> um, I, I, I gave the one last time, uh, temporarily it, I gave it a 6.5. Um, which, this you one, up. which I bumped up, I did it to a seven. I will give this one a 5.5, um, because I think they could have, again, done much more. And I think it's important for um, the writers to start picking um, plausible comedy. Let me put it that way, right? There's there's plausible comedy that, that will appeal to a broader base um, that goes back. Like, I loved the sensors stuff, right? Like, do, <laughs> do, do more of that. Do more sensors. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I just found we have covered the iceberg now, right? So too, too many plot holes for me. Um, uh, or, or not really plot holes, but stuff that came across as a little abstract and um, pardon my Vulcan gang sign, but uh, illogical. So, <laughs> yeah. 
That's me. Yeah, I'll, I oh. go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I, I so I I, I think uh, <laughs> I I was uh, considering rating this below a five on my scale, but uh, because out of five? Uh, out of uh, ten, <laughs> out of ten, uh, yeah. I uh, but the title of the episode still. <laughs> I, I just need to make that point. It, it is so great that it I, it did boost it into uh, the the realm of enjoyment. But I, I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think I just to be completely honest. I I just I felt like this was a bad episode. Um, and but uh-huh. as we as we've all mentioned, like. I think it's it's okay for there to be bad episodes. There are plenty of bad episodes in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still a lot of points that I really liked in the, in this one. It just for for me, it just it it didn't. Uh, I don't know. A, a lot of the things didn't hit the mark for me. I I didn't spend a lot of time uh, laughing out loud. I don't know that I have to spend a lot of the episode laughing out loud, but it just feels like I'm supposed to in this series. Yeah. Um, but so I I think I'm going to go for uh, five moist vessels out of uh 10 tellerites all right sounds good i will do exactly the same which is funny rudy we rated the episode worse than you did <laughs> you know what, Derek, into it. do you want to rate it down now <laughs> <laughs> under so, pressure right? no, 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 i'm good i'm good at 5.5 so so the last thing i want to talk about before we move on and and end this episode is why is it called moist vessel I don't like, understand. Like, where did that name come from? Is it from the goo or like what? Yeah, it has okay. to be the gener- generational ship, which has the uh, goo that uh, moistens stuff or is moist itself. I don't know. I think it's also from the holodeck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ooh, ooh! Now we might have to rate it down. <laughs> I, I'm going to change mine to a two. No. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Well, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Rudy, for joining me on this uh, recap of of Moist Vessel. And uh, thank you to you, listener, for joining us as well. As always, please remember to follow us at Strange New Takes and to tell your friends to listen to us. Uh, We also want to thank Jishnu Guha for for creating our, well, for recording our theme music. Thank you to probably Jerry Goldsmith, whoever created the Klingon theme. So, Uh, (laughs) and uh, Jishnu has a great podcast called Greek Fruit, if you choose to listen to that. And I want to also thank all the people cleaning holodeck waste in this world. Uh, Where Mm -hmm. would we all go to to uh, indulge ourselves if if the waste wasn't being cleared. It would just be really sticky every time we went to the holodeck. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Thank you, holodeck cleaning people. All right, everybody. That's all for another episode of Strange New Takes. We shall see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.